Hello, students. I'm Miskatonic University Podcast Resident Zombie Master, here with an important reminder. When bringing the dead back to life, either by Ancient Tome or Dr. West's reanimation elixir, please be sure to pre-restrain your subjects with the school supply chains and shackles. Each lab has ring mounts on the walls and floors for this very purpose. No, no, I want you to go over that way. Yeah, around that tree. Yeah, over there, that's good. Take a look. The restraints are more for your safety than anything else. If you have any questions, my office door is always open. Have a good day and go pods. Yeah, this one's done for. Go ahead and take it down to the incinerator. I'll get back with you now that we found it. It is a center for higher learning. It is a place with centuries of secrets in its shadowed halls. This is where you have come to learn the mysteries of the cosmos. Welcome to the Miskatonic University Podcast. Welcome to the Miskatonic University Podcast, Episode 71. This is the podcast dedicated to Call of Cthulhu and other horror and Lovecraft-related role-playing games. I'm Keeper Dan. I'm Keeper Murph. In this episode, we prep our thumpers and maker hooks for the bestiary. And that's it. I'm <laughs> <laughs> Keeper Chad, and we don't know. We don't know what... It, anything could happen. We are... Uh, yeah. We're going it's up gonna this It's going to be creek. one of those shows. We're going up this podcast creek with no paddles, so... This will uh, not first. be our any submission for any year. <laughs> oh, who knows? Will, who knows? It could be, this, uh... Yeah. You know, we don't know. This could be a good one. Or not. Uh, but uh, first, before we figure out which one it's going to be, let's dive into the Campus Crier. Miskatonic University Campus Crier. Campus Crier's Miskatonic U student paper. Here's going to go through feedback and news. And this episode's recorded on February 1st, 2015. This first item I put in here because I kind of ran across it in my usual uh, uh, Google News feed of various keywords. And this is a book that I hadn't heard of previously. It's a novel called Red Equinox. And the description of it really kind of caught my eye of urban explorer and photographer Becca Phillips was raised in the shadow of Miskatonic University, steeped in the mysteries of her late grandmother's work in occult studies. But what she thought was myth becomes all too real when cultists unleash terror on the city of Boston. Now she's caught between a shadowy government agency called Spectra and the followers of an apocalyptic faith bent on awakening an ancient evil. Nice. Okay, 
So her mother was a uh, mythos investigator, or her grandmother, and so it's this is just kind of a cool-sounding story. Yep. Uh, this is by Douglas Wynn, who is a um, uh, rather, I mean, he's a good writer of uh, dark fiction, weird fiction in general. And I think this is his second book, maybe. I read hmm. it he's got um he's got the last chord which is i think his first book and then after this was steel breeze and his newest book is the devil of echo lake hmm. did you read those or i have not i'm okay. gonna have to though i have read some of his stuff in some other uh what do you call those things when they put all the stories in one thing you know the book anthology thank you those <laughs> um, i do believe i've read something of his in one of those i might oh. be wrong but I want to say I have, and I'm going to have to double check real quick now. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's not necessarily a new book, but it just kind of came across my feed because I think the uh, author, he was doing an appearance someplace and it mentioned this. So it triggered my alerts, but it's, I hadn't heard of it before. So I figured I'd put it in here to let other people know where it is. And there's going to be a link in the show notes to be able to go out and take a look at it. I take it back. Red Equinox is his third novel. I was, that is his newest one. I apologize for that. Then we've there's a new video game coming out. That's a comedy uh, humor video game that is called Gibbous, a Cthulhu adventure, <laughs> and it's uh, it, it's basically a spoof of Lovecraftiana type of stuff. Huh. And it takes place in, in the, Transylvania. <laughs> Actually, no, that's where the people that created the game are. Oh, really? No shit. Yeah. Wow. It has that look of like the old uh, like Grim Fandango yeah. um, games from LucasArts back in the... Yeah, LucasArts uh, games. Yeah. It looks really, really cool, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got a couple of different characters you can play in it. There's like the hard-boiled detective, and then there's a librarian, and... It's it just looks like a potentially a lot of fun. So hopefully when this comes out, we'll be able to uh, let everybody know. And it's and coming out for in... all the platforms. Okay. Well, yeah. computer platforms, Windows, Mac, yeah. and Linux, and mobile tubes. Possibly it said so. Yeah, that would be cool. Cool. So uh, up next, it looks like Dynamite Entertainment is set to bring Reanimator back to life. Yay! Uh, yeah. This is a new uh, comic series. Oh, cool. From, from uh, Dynamite. Yeah, evidently, this is going to be with writer Keith Davidson and Randy Valente uh, on the art. So it looks really awesome. I've seen the cover for the first issue is on the link that we have there in the show and notes. There's actually some, a bunch of sample pages, too. Yeah, interior yeah. art as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, it looks really, really good. Oh, yeah. I like the, I actually like the one without, the ones without colors. I know those are just proofs, but. I like the lines in there. Yeah, it looks really good. And there's some some weird shadowy figures. Looks like a mummy or something. I don't know what the hell that is, but it looks really cool. Maybe that's a king in yellow. I don't know. It's black and white. I can't tell. Oh, it yeah. is going to be in black and white, right? This is an indie. It looks like an indie comic that'll be in black and white, and then you've got covers in so, color. Yeah. I like it's that. Like, yeah, yeah, I really like the line style there. It's very. Yeah, it looks really cool either way. So I can't wait to get that from them. Should be awesome. Yeah, dynamite's not really. In the indie 
level, but they, you know, they, they're small enough that they can afford to do something unusual with the style. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they tend to go, I mean, their whole shtick with dynamite is, is the, you know, the, um, tie in type comic, I guess, you know, so it, it's a pre-existing something. Yeah, you they have a number. Yeah. yeah, they've got a good number of properties that are uh, existing Licensed. franchises of in yeah. one way or another. Now, I hear really good things about their Flash Gordon comic. I need to read that. Yeah, I've heard the same thing. I haven't read it yet either. So yeah. I'll have to, to look into that as well. And then we are coming into our string of various Kickstarters that are going, starting with Unspeakable Words. Oh, I've actually played this. This is fun. Yeah, this is a second edition deluxe version that is on Kickstarter of Unspeakable Words. This looks awesome. It is fun. It's a really good, quick play. Uh, I assume they're keeping the same rules where you get cards and you have to put together some kind of word from them. And then as you lose sanity points, at one point you go nuts and you are able to just make up words. And as long as you can pronounce them, you get the points for them. So it's uh, kind of kind of spirals into silliness. Oh, that's awesome! It plays quickly. It's really great for like young readers. You know, uh, it's it's great multi generational thing. I played it with adults, but you know, it'd be a good one to have on hand for with kids. And it comes with all those little Cthulhu's. Yeah, though yeah, I was just really looking cute. at those little minis right there. I'm like, okay, that uh, those alone are a reason to have the game. Those are great. Yeah. And for 35 bucks, you can get the deluxe edition of Unspeakable Words through the Kickstarter. That's a really good value, actually. Mm-hmm. $35 for a box of a box game, you know what I mean? A card mm-hmm. game or not, with all the minis and stuff. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And to see how it plays, this actually was featured on an episode of Tabletop. Yep. Yep. So. With, uh, one of the ones with Felicia Day. Yeah. yeah. Felicia Day, Will Wheaton, Aaron Gray. I know. That's and Troy Baker. <laughs> I, I don't know who Troy Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. Oh, God. Nerd fail. Oh, my God. No, Aaron Gray is from... She's from Buck Rogers. Oh, God. Don't shame me publicly now. Well, it's too late. <laughs> We're recording this, and it will be in uh, the end show. Oh, God. All right. Also out right now is the Dark Raven Soundscapes Redux and Cthulhu Fantasy and Horror Music. I hope I said that right. Does that sound yep. like I said that right? Okay, yeah. cool. Uh, this is another Kickstarter, obviously. Uh, it, it is funded just barely, like $25 funded. Yeah, over. last night when I w- put this in the notes, it was uh, $30 short. Very cool. Um, and a little for a week to go. Yeah, I mean, basically what this is, is is another soundscape that you can play while playing your RPG or your board games or just because yeah. you like weird, eerie sounds like Chad. I do, I do. I know, I know. well the neat thing here also is that depending on what levels that you go for this big old uh system they have here this dark raven soundscapes it has a section of cthulhu mythos based stuff but then it's also got you know a fantasy combat with all the epic music and stuff there's a kingdom of the elves so you can have like this whole background thing going on and then there's a uh, section with just creepy suspense and horror background sounds. So that's like two nice big sections of appropriate to our genre type of stuff. And they have some um, some 
samples of the the Cthulhu soundscapes. They're on the yeah. Kickstarter page you can listen to, and they sound pretty cool. Yeah, they've got samples of most everything on there. Yeah. And uh, they they are really, really good. Oh, I like these enough. I, I've been sampling. I like these enough to buy it. I think I, think I want this. Yep. Yeah, because apparently this is uh, Cthulhu Soundscapes 2. If you want to get both 1 and 2, that's 29. The Cthulhu Boundle. I think they misspelled bundle. <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it was intended hey to be man, These guys are sound engineers, not copy editors, all right? Yes. Yeah. Give them a break. <laughs> boundles. It's boundles of fun. But, yeah, 29 bucks, you get both of them, and so you're going to get a whole lot of Cthulhu Mythos stuff out of there. That's yeah, cool. that sounds good. I like that. Cool. You know, a side note, mm. uh, the you know the, the, some of the 7th edition backer levels include a sound track or a, a yeah. sound yeah. from Chad Pfeiffer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm super excited for that. Yeah, me too. I'm really looking forward to seeing what he comes up with for that. It's going to be neat. It should be really cool. Uh, up next, we've got a card game, Rise of Cthulhu, also in Kickstarter right now with uh, 17 days to go as of February 1st. It's a strategy card game of influence and horror for two players. That's interesting. Yeah, this is uh, this is done by Chuck D. Yeager from Board Game Geek. Okay, so cool. That's interesting, and it funded within uh, three days, which is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I really like the art style in this. Yeah, the art style is mm-hmm. great. It's got that dark, shadowy. Uh, yeah, like it a has a focus. Mignola flair to it. There's just lots of shadowy st- aspects to I just it. Said that, yes, it does. I like it, actually. It looks really cool. Um, can't really tell without running the whole preview how it plays. What's the... How are they describing oh, yeah. the mechanic there? Is it mm-hmm. set matching? or? I'm not um, sure how it actually I, would play out. Yeah, I can't see I can't see how it plays, but uh, the art is pretty. You should check it out if you like card yeah, games. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it looks like it's fun. Then there is... Last up here, we've got a Kickstarter for... A music album. This is a metal band called Anthropia, and they're doing a, an all mythos inspired album called Non Euclidean Spaces. And I listened to some of this last night, and it's uh, pretty good. They have the track listing with uh, all the names here you know, Strange Aeons, uh, the Melancholy chaos. of Randolph Carter. Silver Twilight Lodge, <laughs> like that. Yeah. The main guy that uh, leads the band and is running the campaign, he actually mentioned that, yeah, he's a gamer. That's cool. Inspired by bands like Symphony X, Megadeth, Pain of Salvation, Arion, and Dream Theater. Hmm. I know some of those. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I know two of those. Exactly. But it's... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's really good sounding stuff. I really enjoyed that. So, you know, if you're into metal and Lovecraftian music, then uh, pop on over, watch the video, see if it appeals to you. You know, they are funded and it's got, as of recording, this has got five days to go on it. Cool. Wow. Uh, Also, as a site thing, uh, we have a new MUP shirt and merchandise provider called Spreadshirt. And because of this, our t-shirts are about half the price of what they used to be. We have a link to the new uh, shirt. Yep. mu-podcast.com slash shirt. 
and nice. that'll take you to the Those new store. Seriously cheaper than yes. they used to be. They're yeah, fifteen I, bucks a shirt. That's yep. awesome. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Zazzle wound up being you know around thirty bucks for a T-shirt, and now they're just a flat fifteen plus shipping and all their. Awesome. Uh, so I took everything that this store offers and mm. everything that this has that also was on Zazzle. I pulled out of Zazzle and created here. So nice. all the coffee mugs are now way cheaper. Uh, we've got the mouse pads and that sort of stuff, and it's all. Way, cool. way less expensive way, than it was at Zazzle. Yeah, yeah, I cannot wait to get one of these cups because uh, they were ridiculously expensive on Zazzle. So mm-hmm. Spreadshirt, Spreadshirt's awesome. Uh, some other podcasts are using them nowadays, too. So I think it's a good show. Yeah, so I tried to give it a good variety of items. If anybody has ideas for stuff that they would like to see, you know, just go up to look at what Spreadshirt has for just products in general and Hey, I would really like to see, you know, the fighting cephalopod logo on this item. Let me know and I'll put it up there. Yeah. Hell, why not? Yeah, cool. Very Thanks cool. for doing this, Dan. Yeah, no, that's very problem. awesome. I wanted really to have idea. something that was a better uh, price range than what uh, we were getting out of Zazzle. They they were decent enough, but it just was prohibitively well, expensive. It was prohibitively expensive and, and the... I had found that the shirts weren't the shirts were fine, but the the the, the printing on the shirts was not the greatest. So yeah, mm-hmm. I had a I had an issue. Did you have an issue with the printing? Because I had I bought two oh, yeah. of the Mythos babies. Gave one because yeah. uh, I wanted one for my uh, brother in law and one for myself. And I had the, one of them was completely misprinted. Um, well, mine the lines all, were it was printed right, but once I washed it once, um, it basically fell off. So oh, oh. okay, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I haven't had anything of that nature. My okay. one that has the MUP logo, it actually looks like the, a cool, like, retro 70s thing because it's kind of crackling and breaking apart little bits here and there. It yeah, actually, see, that's what happened on the, the Mythos Babies, but then it just kind of fell off. So, oh. like, it crackled to the point where it wasn't there anymore. Yeah, that's no good. I haven't had the cash to get one of these shirts yet, so I can't personally testify to their quality. But they're a lot cheaper to be able to try one and see. Mm-hmm. Well, and there's some there's some big name podcasts that are using Spreadshirt now for their uh, merchandise store as well. So I think it's a good move. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm pretty. You happy know what I mean, with by, it. by 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 big name podcasts, I mean like on the radio kind of podcasts. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like what? Um, no, I'm not going drop, to drop some science. I What's will, happening? I will, I will drop your ass. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, the, the first one that came to mind was actually uh, the stuff you missed in history podcast from howstuffworks.com. Oh, cool. Oh, okay. Uh, I think all of them are using Spreadshirt now mm-hmm. for oh, their merchandise good, store. Good but, sign. Uh, yeah, not, not bad at all. But then I want to say one of the uh, WMYC podcasts is also using Spreadshirt. Really? Yeah, I'll have to double check. Oh, like, uh, I see what you mean. Never mind. Yeah. Oh, I fanboy thing. I actually talked to a guy from, uh, from Radiolab at WNYC for my job. And that was awesome. Fuck you. Which cool. guy? Not, not Jad, not Jad, not the host, but, um, your whore. The, one of the producers or yeah, editors yeah. or something. 
Cool. Oh, that's awesome. Can you can you tell them to put out more content, please? Instead, I know, right? Get really pissed about that. A lot of repeats. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of previews of other shows. That's really annoying the hell out of me. How did I didn't like that one? I didn't like the the preview of um whatever that last one was. Invisibility, invisibilia. Yeah, invisibilia. I didn't like it. Crazy about it. Yeah. No, but I did. You listen to the American football one? No, you should. It. I hate football. Um, okay. I'll go on so, record here saying it. I don't like football. Right on. This is actually, this is really quite interesting. It, it, it's actually a really good episode. Hmm. Okay. Wow. It's kind of geared to us. about who, football and it's actually interesting. Yeah. That's, yeah. I know. But it, that, it, only Radio Lab can pull that, it off. That so. doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. It's, it's you're, you're um, speaking in tongues. They go into the, well, they go into the history of football. So they, they spend half the show on the history of football and then they spend another half the show on what football is today. And it, it's, it's pretty good. The, the history Roy of football. Popping will, multi-millionaires pushing each other over. Yeah. It sounds yeah, interesting. But, but when you said football, my eyes glazed over and I stopped listening. So <laughs> well, much. I did too. Like I, I just said, okay, it's radio lab. I'm going to let it play. Even though it says football, <laughs> you know, and uh, I just let it play in the background. And I was like, okay, wait, rewind this. Say that again. <laughs> and then started going at it again. So it, mm. it's actually not bad. It's okay. fairly entertaining. It's really quite interesting too. Mm. There's a lot of information in there, especially in the beginning when it was only a collegiate type sport. You know, the reason why it came up and why it started is so horribly violent. Oh, really? Which evidently, which evidently it was meant to be violent. That was the whole point of it. Like it, w- rugby was not violent enough, so they needed to have something to appease the young men who were not going to be able to fight in a war like their fathers did. Oh, wow. Really? So this was what they came up with so that these young men could prove that they were brave. Holy they couldn't weird. prove it on a, on, a, on a battlefield anymore, so they kind of bastardized this game and turned it into football. That makes a lot of sense. It's really an interesting story. So if you really, if you, if you like Radiolab, I mean, you should obviously, you should just listen to it. Yeah. I well, was... Dan, are you listening? Have you listened to any new podcast things you want to in podcast news? <laughs> Anything new? <laughs> yeah, that could be a topic. What are we listening since to right doing, now? Since we're since we're yeah. light, let me open up my podcatcher here. I usually leave it closed during recording. Uh, I'm on iTunes right now because I'm currently stuck using an iPod for my player. Yeah, same here. I use a uh, I use a, a, a fancy Perl script that goes out and grabs the stuff and dumps it and downloads it all for me. So it's pretty cool. What are you using for your device? I don't have a device. I, I'm I'm at home all the time, so I just oh, so you're listening on a computer. Yeah, I just listen to it on the computer. Um, have you guys listened to No Such Thing as a Fish? No. Wow. No. You really should. No Such Thing as a Fish is the companion podcast to the QI quiz show that's out of the UK on BBC. These are the the question masters, basically, who write the questions and find all the ridiculous facts for the QI TV show. Are you familiar with QI, either one of you? No. No. It's a British style quiz show, uh, which means it's paneled with a bunch of comedians. And in this case, hosted by Stephen Fry. And they basically just come up with the weirdest facts you could ever imagine and then make fun of them constantly. And the podcast is something very similar. They come up with some strange, unknown facts and just kind of riff on them for a little while. It's a really fun podcast. And they come up with some crazy stuff. And I people should listen to it. So it's fun. I think I already talked about backstory, right? I think I did. I believe so, yeah. Way, ba- way back in November. Yeah. 
it's it's good. Listen to it. Um, also, uh, Sawbones. I think I mentioned that one before as well. Okay, that sounds familiar. Sawbones is the. I think it's called the a marital. How is it said? A marital history of medical. A marital medical history journey. Something like that. They talk about the weird medical things that they did. Oh, I'm so all over that. Right on. It's yes, really, please. It's really good. Like uh, some of the recent episodes were transfusion, um, diabetes, alcohol, tooth removal, enemas, <laughs> folk medicines. Uh, I mean, those are just the last few episodes. It's, it's a really good podcast. Cool. I'll start with the enema episode. Down yeah, it's, actually, it's really quite a good one. <laughs> if you're going to go in, you might as well go full bore and go for that one. Oh, yeah. stop saying full bore. Or full, bore for the <laughs> full bore enemas. Oh, boy. If you not had a full bore enema. Um, Please don't use a bore. It's not, <laughs> not recommended practice. Like, do you mean a bore, like a B-O-R-E, or a bore, like a B-O-A-R? I don't, neither one. You either. Don't either one? Oh, all right. I'll tell you that. I was just curious. Um, there is another one. I think I mentioned this one to Dan. Uh, Caustic Soda. Have you listened to it yet? I have it on my player, but I haven't listened to anything yet. That's a mistake too. This is a this is a Canadian podcast where there are a bunch of gamers who talk about weird stuff and they don't pull punches. Their whole deal is that they'll give you the history of a subject and it's and then usually they choose the most gruesome subject they can come up with or tell it in the most gruesome ways that they come up with, you know? So they have some really interesting episodes and they usually have expert guests on which I think is really cool for a podcast. And I'm not sure if they're on the radio up on CBC somewhere, and they might be because they end up with, you know, doctors and experts within these fields that they're talking to occasionally will come on and, and uh, guest host with them. So like the la- latest one was Hospiticide, and then they had uh, an episode on espionage and hunting spiders. They had a whole series on spiders in general. And that was a, I'm a arachnophobe, so that was an interesting one in general for me. Just listening to spiders made me kind of cringe. Yeah, the uh, latest Monster on, Talk was a spider one, too. They had one on uh, Kids That Kill. That's another fun one. Okay. That's, uh, yeah, that's nice stuff. It's, well, it's a dark podcast, but it's funny. Right. So it's Sounds a fun good. thing. Yeah, it's, you would like it, Chad. I'm sure. It sounds good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most um, of my stuff has been things like I, I have lots and lots of podcasts about podcasting and then a good number of them about uh, WordPress and web design, as well as my nerdy okay. stuff mixed in. Nice. What is a good, uh, what's a good podcast about podcasting? Uh, there's probably the School of Podcasting. Is that the That's one by, run, run by the uh, Christian Fundamentalist guy? No. No. You know, that, that's run by Dave Jackson, and uh, it's, you know, he's funny, and he, he's been doing it since, like, 2005, so it's, you know, he's got a lot of good experience. I think you might be thinking of Cliff Ravenscraft. That's probably what I'm thinking of, yeah. Yeah, that sounds familiar. he does Podcast Answer Man, and I stopped listening to that because he stopped being about podcasting. Yeah, oh, really? so, kind of, well, he took yeah. a weird turn at some point and got like religious overly oh, so. It, it always had that overtone in yeah. there. But, yeah, but then it was only that. And it also, it, he was more about, from my perspective, it was more about making money off the yeah. audience than it was about teaching them how to podcast. Yeah, it, it, yeah, Cliff just didn't really do much for me after a while, but I listened to School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. There's uh, The Audacity to Podcast with Daniel J. Lewis, the podcaster studio with Ray Ortega. Those three guys are like 
the three primary, you know, podcast teachers. And then there's, you know, a number of other ones that are in the space as well. But those three guys are my my first go to. They're cool. Um, a couple of podcasts I might mention that are connected to Brian Salmon's. I think that we probably have mentioned them before, but there's Devour the Podcast, mm-hmm. which is um, about horror news reviews and stuff. Yeah. And uh, movies, TV. Yeah, exactly. And then there's um, Evil Episodes, which is about horror TV. And that's a really good one that he, I don't know if he's appearing on that one. I think he's a, he does appear on that one, but um, Devour the Podcast is Jamie Jenkins, Bo Ransel, and David Anders Jr. are the main hosts. And I think Salmon's uh, shows up once in a while. Cool. Okay. Yeah, I am subscribed to that one. Uh, another one I thought of was uh, 99% Invisible. I don't know if you guys listen to that. Nope. It's, it's a, if you listen to NPR in the mornings, that's a five-minute bit on the morning uh you know, on the, the morning news on NPR. Um, but they put out a 30-minute podcast that that five minutes is stripped out of on a regular basis as well. And they're really good. Uh, oh, cool. Very well produced. Um, it's part of the Radiotopia um, Kickstarter that just went on a few oh, weeks back. Okay. Their latest one was Under the Moonlight, which was a show about the moonlight towers that used to be everywhere and are now only found in Austin, Texas, oddly enough. And huh. featured in Dazed and Confused back in the 90s. Oh, interesting. So, yeah, it's, it's a good show. They talk about mainly design and architecture and stuff like that, but it, it gets all over the board. It's a really, a really interesting show. And for our Crypticurium spotlight, I just wanted to uh, point out that the Parcel of Terror uh, next month's box items have been revealed for March. And we've got another uh, Mythos wall plaque. This one's a really cool looking deep one. It is really awesome looking. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. The like the uh, slasher magnets. Now we first we had Jason. Now we've got Freddy Krueger. We've got a pin of Slimer from Ghostbusters. <laughs> the handbook yep, for the recently volume. deceased from Beetlejuice. I like that a lot. Uh, that's really cool. It's a notebook. It's just blank. Yeah. It's just yeah, it's really, blank inside, really awesome. but the cover is really dead on. Yeah, it's really cool. And probably one of the most beautiful drawings of the Gill Man from Creature from the Black Lagoon I've seen as a sticker. Yeah, yeah that's, really that's cool. nice. Yeah, Jason drew that. Wow. That's really cool. It looks like a photograph of the sculpture. Like, yeah, that's what I was yeah, thinking. Yeah, I know. Like it looks like a, almost, it could be a still from the movie even. I mean, that's yeah. really good. Produced from original artwork. Cool. And so, awesome. and a, uh, was it a white chocolate uh, lollipop in the shape of a brain. Oh, yeah. That's nice. And eat them too. <laughs> He's doing candy again. Yep. Yeah, I think you guys did. already talked about that last episode, right? Yeah. Last yeah, episode, yeah, last month's had a uh, a kiwi flavored gummy alien uh, egg sack. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Weird. Face hugger egg. It's very cool. All right. So if you're not a member of the uh, Parcel of Terror yet, go over there and sign up so you can get some of this yeah. cool stuff in them. Yeah. Go take a look because, you know, these are really nice. <laughs> Settle down now, class. It's time for your next lesson.
today's main topic, side topic, only topic of any note. Yep. Doles. Doles. Bowls. Doles. Chthonians and big f- worms in general. Have you seen Tremors? Have you read Dune? Have you been to Mongolia? <laughs> I haven't. I haven't Have you there. ever been trapped in a 20-foot ball of phlegm? <laughs> No. Is this a personal thing you get off on or something, Chad? Yeah, no, it has nothing to do gone? with the topic. Did you I'm get just like wondering. a cold yeah. from that? Some sort of weird head infection? I'm having a lot of seepage. So. <laughs> you might want to see a doctor. That's all I'm saying. Side so the include. doles. Doles are, uh, they're giant worms, man. They're, they're, just, they're giant, gargantuan, worm-like, burrowing horrors. They are um, not native to Earth. Thankfully. Typically. Uh, usually, thankfully. Yeah, if, if they were, we wouldn't be They here. can be summoned by spell. Yep, they do show up occasionally in fiction and uh, game terms. They're, they're absolutely bloody massive. I mean, they're the size of a worm in, in Dune. That's, I mean, they're a size in the thousands is average. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the scale yeah. we're talking about there is just staggering. Yeah, it's just, I, I think someone mentioned ocean liner at one point. I mean, that's yeah. a, an generally larger situation. than an ocean liner, says Dan Harms. Yeah. Yes. That's, uh, that's, that's big, man. That's a lot of uh, volume yeah. there. Well, they're big enough when that when they are infecting a planet, they destroy the planet. They actually burrow into the planet and fill it full of holes and destroy it. Right, because they're huge, and that's doles. Yeah, and they're moderately intelligent. (laughs) Yeah, for that's what's weird. They they're smarter than humans. Well, no, let me take that back. They're as smart as some humans. (laughs) Yeah, an average of thirty-five. It's not. It's not great. It's not terrible. I guess thirty-five intelligence. Oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah. But for something that's the size of an ocean liner, that's... uh, Yeah. It's kind of scary to have something of that kind of a scale actually be able to make plans and tactics. Yeah, that's uh, freakishly large, man. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, what else do you... Average damage bonus. Enough to flatten a battleship. 64d6. Because, you know, it's huge. Thankfully, they're not fast, and they have no decks to speak of. Um, So you theoretically could get away from it if you could get out of the area it was generally in. Yeah. Yeah, but then you're in in the range of like three miles of its really awful ranged attack. Yeah, which is (laughs) one of the most disgusting. (laughs) Yeah. It's not bad enough that they can eat you or, or slither over you. Yeah, they also have a ranged attack. Like Godzilla, only yeah, not as they, fiery or blue. No, because these guys can hawk a loogie two or three miles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it it, 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 it's, it covers an area that's equal to 1% of their size in feet. So if it's the size of 2,750, it's a 27-foot glob of snot yeah i mean that's yeah that's just mind-boggling is what that is <laughs> i can't even i my brain will not uh will not compute this giant living being yeah and so how do you guys visualize it, it there's either like the cobra spitting venom across the room style where it just kind <laughs> of you know rears back into just does it or i kind of like the idea of it kind of whips its head like you know the end of a bullwhip in order to fling this you know big glob i i imagine mm. it doesn't because its dex is so low it only has a 10 dex for god's sake and th- we're talking seventh, seventh yeah. edition rules at this point so 
uh, it has a 10 dex, which means it's not very quick. But I imagine it like you can see its entire body like contracting as it moves this phlegm from its butt region up to its oh, mouth. Oh, yeah. It just kind of like would work. squirts yeah. it out of itself. That's you know, how that's I picture just, yeah. yeah, just just horrific, nasty, nasty attack. Yeah. But I, I like that because then there's a visual cue that's on the way. So you, it, there's like a – that is good for giving a uh, – a person a, an opportunity to do like a dodge <laughs> a dodge yeah but usually you can't dodge 30 feet that's the problem <laughs> um one thing that well, they it also kind of depends on how well it might i mean it's got a 50 50 shot to actually hit something yeah but you know I, it's skill is, is taking 50%, in so. is that yeah is that taking in the 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 i guess that is taking into account the the spread area of the mm-hmm. the globule so i mean yeah that's not bad I think However, it is fair that, you know, if they make the dodge, then you just say, well, you were obviously on the outer perimeter of it. Right. And you got out of the way with only minor well, amounts of it on you. One of you the know, things you I wouldn't don't escape it completely very easily. Yeah. One of the things that I don't understand about the dole spit is that no one has ever mentioned the fact that a 27 foot wide globule of snot and slime flying at you from two miles away, striking you is not going to hurt. Yeah, that's you know going mean? to do damage. That's not just goo. Yeah. I mean, that's that's got mass to it. So, yeah. I mean, that's that's going to crush you. I mean, that at least in my mind's eye, it would it would just completely obliterate a person. You know, it's like a truck falling on them. Yeah. I mean, when something reaches a certain velocity, a liquid becomes a solid, essentially, for, you know, that's why when you yeah. jump off a bridge, you die when you hit the water. It's just like hitting concrete. So, right. the same same applies for water or liquids that are flying three miles. Well, unless you want to simply make the call. I mean, this is a mythos creature, so it could simply have a weird uh, makeup. Mm-hmm. And I like the, I like the fact and, that and actually, it could it could like come partially out of the ground and just start spitting at buildings, you know, and, and knocking chunks mm-hmm. out of the buildings. I mean, that's frightening, mm-hmm. deadly. Sure, but like you said, you could with the mythos thing, you could have it in and out of phase, kind of like the way... Um, flying polyps are not quite in this dimension, so it could right. Be, it's, oh, its mass point. could behave differently. It's kind of a dream. Yeah, yeah. It's got a dreamlands, right? It can burrow through to Earth in some cases through the dreamlands. Right. Well, we're getting to the bowl region yeah. there, but in, we'll get in, to that in a bit. But it, well, I mean, it was in the dream quest that Lovecraft specifically said doles. Yeah, yeah that's where that's true. in the underworld, right? right. You know, uh, the bowls thing from what. I think you said earlier is that it was a mistranslation of Durlith. Of Durlith, yeah, doing a, a translation of the story and something got mixed up and so we wound up with a separate species that's yeah, pretty much identical. I mean the word no. dole in different spellings shows up in mythos writing or, or pre mythos writing. Um, but totally different creatures altogether. There's the uh yeah, the one that is- appears the four legged black creature that appears in the white people from Arthur Machen and then there's the And that um, one's without an E on the end, isn't it? That's D H O L with Mackin's version, isn't it? Or is it It's D it's D O L S with the, the like a, car- carrot on top of the O. It's yeah. a German I, I knew it was a, one of them's weird. Yeah, there's some a couple of weird spellings out there for it. There's the book called D H O L Dole Chance. That, that, that might have been what I was thinking of. Yeah. There's the D-O-E-L-S, which is uh, Frank Belknap Long 
creature that is completely different. Then Lovecraft alluded to those creatures in Whisper in Darkness, um, but none of them are worms. Then I think uh, Dole, D-H-O-L, also appears in uh, Ted Klein's or T.D. Klein's uh, ceremonies as well. Huh. Um, okay. And, oh, and your Dole's, uh, Machen's Dole's, the, the D-whatever-O-L-S, right. it's in the Illuminatus trilogy. Aha, as the sort of things that can possess you. Right. The little, the little people things, yeah. Uh, also, going back to the slime, not only is it a giant 27-foot a globule of snot flying at you from two and a half miles away. It's also caustic because, you know, it's not bad enough. It's got to also burn. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if you're stuck in it, you can't breathe, you're drowning, and you're taking an extra hit point of damage per round uh, from the burning acid-like slime, snot stuff yeah. that's uh, covered your entire body. And personally, I would apply that damage to anything that it winds Touches. up hitting. So it would be like a car would you would slowly see dissolving inside this thing. That would be weird. Yeah. And I, I would visualize it as, yeah, the ball of slime is pretty clear, fairly translucent, because you, it's more interesting if to you see can it. describe what you see what's inside. Absolutely. Yeah, or maybe like you could take a, a you know, like a, a scene from the blob and, you know, where they yeah. dissolve some of the, the stuff in the city when it's running rampant towards the end, you know, and mm-hmm. it's interesting. So you can make it semi-translucent at least. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the ones, things I was thinking about with this thing is I I, I wouldn't know how to use a, a dole in a game. I mean, just they're so powerful unless you're dealing with yeah. huge cosmic kind of level things where you're watching a planet dissolve or something i think um but one of the ways that you could do that is this mucus ball could just be on its own it could be like left over and it certainly would be an awesome evidence thing to find i just don't know how you would i don't think i would want to draw a uh, plot line that ends with trying to face one of these things because it's sort of pointless i do yeah. believe there's doles in mass and top actually um, Which uh, really in Cairo, I I want to say yeah. that there are. Um, I might be wrong, of course, but I'm pretty pretty sure there are. I'm pretty sure at some point there's a dole that you can stumble across unwittingly. But I, I mean, might- they are, yeah, they are a varying size, right? So there are stories where they are parasites that live inside your body. They could be like little clusters of worms, or they could be um, in one instance they're. Uh, like about the size of a snake and they live in your belly. So right. obviously yeah, they, they have like, I think they say that they have some sort of a, a staged life cycle mm-hmm. before they get to a, a full blown dole. And that's how they, you know, uh, make up for those strange differences and description and whatnot. Yeah. And there's nothing that says that a keeper can't just simply say, well, this is, you know, a, some sort of offshoot species. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not like mythos creatures have really been scientifically cataloged. So I would say shrink it down to graboid scale mm. and have some fun. Yeah. Yeah. I think something that's more easily kind of dealt with on a human scale would be interesting. Or just the effects, the after effects of one coming through the dreamlands and then going back, you know, the ripples of effect. You don't even have to deal with, yeah, just having the the giant um, holes, you know, everywhere would be enough damage to 
even yeah. if it's a moderately small dole, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's still, that's still a, a it could still make a tunnel that you could walk through. Oh, that's what I think. That's where it's at. I think uh, the tunnel system underneath the Sphinx in Egypt was actually Uh-oh. formed by doles. That's where that. I think that's where they came in. Ah. Well, in the I book of. I, in the book of Ibon, the Egyptians had figured out a way to the the Egyptian copy of the book of Ibon, which is dead, is gone, and there are no copies left. There is a summoning spell, and of course, you can rewrite that and say, "Well, one survived." But um, so that makes sense as far as the Egyptian connection, right? Something that just kind of occurred to me would be: How about a variant of like a or a subspecies, or maybe even a difference in the life cycle? How about taking this scale of creature and mixing it with something like a silkworm. So it's got this, you know, this silk that it produces. It could actually like snag people and then drag them away. Mm -hmm. Would it drag? It it would drag like buildings away though. It's so huge. I'm thinking more of a smaller scale. Yeah. Now if we go to smaller scale. Something that's actually usable in a game. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. If we go to smaller scale, um, I think Chthonians are very, I mean, they're essentially the same thing, only they got tentacles coming out one end. Uh, and they're much, much smaller. You know, they have like a, a 200 size as opposed to a 2000 size. Um, and that might be more appropriate or easily used in a game than, mm-hmm. you know, at a full-blown dole. So you, you could do that instead. I like the silkworm thing. I don't know how I w- one would ever use it, but if you went with the full scale well, and they're call- eating, they're eating planets... How, what about a silk that could actually go and capture other planets and sort of bind them together into a web of, you know, of if, uh, dead planets? What if you find a, a, a dole in, inside of his, uh, you know, that, that puts a, a cocoon, a silk cocoon, and then comes out and it's Mothra? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the uh, Mothra larva was something that kind of occurred to me, too, at the <laughs> time so- of... Uh, so nuts, man. Dolls uh, are huge. Um, so let's do a little bit of stats on dolls, even though we've mentioned most of it already. Um, average strength, 2,525. That's 10D100 times 5 is the strength on a doll. Con, 755. That's 1D100 plus 100 times 5. Size is 2,775. 1D100 plus strength times 5. That's a huge number, by the way. I'm just saying. Uh, Dex, yeah. however, is only 1d4 times 5 with an average of 10. Intelligence, this is kind of frightening, 35, so that's a 2d6 times 5. Uh, and a POW of 170, which is 10d6 times 5. That's a really impressive POW for such a, a relatively unintelligent, massive animal, which means it's going to be hard to get rid of with spells, is what that mainly means. The hit points on average are, are 353, which... Honestly, given the size, seems a little low. Um, but maybe I'm maybe I'm being ridiculous because that's a big goddamn number anyway. Average da- damage bonus quote enough to flatten a battleship sixty four d six. Average build is sixty five. Magic points thirty five. A move fifteen of crawl while it's crawling and a ten move while burrowing. Uh, so it's pretty quick too. Yeah. I mean the fact that it can move faster than you do. And, and be the yeah, size Yeah, because most people were in the seven or eight range. Yeah. I would make, also make sure that that is in a straight line. The, the uh, basic, you know, mass of something like that, it's not going to turn on a dime. 
Well, you think about a worm. Like we just think like a, a worm, an earthworm. I mean, they can, if they're moving, they can just kind of turn their head to one direction and then their whole body is going that direction. Well, part of it's going that direction, part's going the other direction. So, I mean, it might be the speed of, in which the head is moving forward is what we're talking about. It's not like the whole mass is going to be moved forward that amount. Does that make sense or am I just cocking out my butt at this point? <laughs> I'm not I think that's... <laughs> no comment. No comment? I'm just trying to be figure out, you know, good ways that it can be used in game. I, I don't think it... I and think so, that, I don't know. having like a cool chase scene... <laughs> chase by Dole, yeah. Dude, that's, that's not... You know, you're in a... Uh, that's an You're in a convertible... Scene. That's like when you uh, you walk in into a convertible. The... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why is, why is, in a car being chased by a doll, man? Be awesome. It might as well be a convertible. That's very specific, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in my old four two two convertible and flying down Route sixty six, and there's a giant doll behind me. I love that it indicates that you've you've had this fantasy before. I'm I'm in a convertible, <laughs> being chased by a doll. <laughs> well, you know what he was no, doing. Not was really. Until to... now, I I've never made use of them because they're too big, impractically big. <laughs> I I think the only thing you could do is in a uh, in a ritual setting, you know, where they've summoned a doll, a doll, uh, a cult has in some form or fashion. You know, uh, mm-hmm. and, and this would be what would happen if they don't succeed in stopping the cult you know so this is the grand ritual at the end end game yeah yeah and then you know the dole comes uh in which case it's a team yeah because there's no surviving a dole i mean it's a dole yeah that it basically at their full scale they're not a creature to deal with they're an environmental effect yeah (laughs) that's a good way of putting it it's, yeah, yeah it, it's no huge. different from having a hurricane come come ashore. Yeah, I mean, they mentioned in here a blow from its bulk is like being hit by a train. Um, mm-hmm. There's no roll. I mean, if it if it hits you, it it's it's automatic death. Obviously, it's it's nuts. Yeah, it's just with, such a with a successful luck scale. Roll, enough can be found mm-hmm. to bury. <laughs> Oh, you get a luck, but it's not to survive. It's just to see if there's enough remains left behind. <laughs> they can put you in a small box and put you under the ground for the dole to eat one more time. <laughs> it's like doles. Uh, close relatives are bowls, which we mentioned. Uh, bowls are the. Uh, which 7E has an interesting little bit on. Yep that uh, see that up in the corner there yeah it says the great wizard ayashak the cunning claimed in his blasphemous memoirs that he visited and consorted with the bowls in the land of dream learning that these immense beings were the true mothers of doles though in fathomable means the bowls were able to send their dole progeny across space and time to planets in the waking world ayashak writes that he was barely able to escape with his life from the encounter. It was only the timely sacrifice of his young assistant, Mahmood, which enabled the wizard to make his escape. So, bowls and doles are related. Um, we also mentioned Chthonians, which is the Brian Lumley creation. Chthonians, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Lumley's stuff has been morphed into the mythos as well, obviously. Uh, and they showed up in his novel, I want to say... They're in the burrows beneath, obviously, but um, I'm trying to remember the short story. 
I can't remember the short story. They had a short story appearance uh, that they showed up with previously before the novel, but whatever. Anyway, these are like, they look like dolls. They're not nearly as big, um, but they have a, a mass of tentacles at the front uh, instead of the gaping maw of a dune-like worm would be the best way to describe a dole, I think. Also, Chthonians are worshippers of Shudmel. The Shudmel is one of the deities in the Lonely Universe and shows up in Cthulhu Mythos as well. So they might be related somehow or another because they're very, very similar, but they might not. Yeah, that's one of those things of you can either make use of them as an inf- environmental effect or do something creative to make it something that can be escaped or dealt with in some capacity secondary like a secondary yeah not even encountered but uh either the after effects of or yeah not even have it in the scenario itself yeah you know i think it'd be kind of cool to have a something that would be it's like you feel rumbles you there it's an environmental thing mm-hmm. that you don't know what it is that they're actually trying to summon until you actually like start to see, you know, the ground start to shake and perhaps at a short distance, then, you know, a sinkhole drops down and, you know, one of those huge sinkholes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that brings back memories from Tremors, you know, when, when the same thing would basically happen to the cars, the cars would kind of shake and then just disappear yeah. to the ground and crush it on themselves. And that was really kind of cool. Mm-hmm. I suppose you could do that as well. But again, the size issue with doles is, is kind of a problem to use in that respect. Well, you it's, can, I think you can scale these things down to whatever fits. I mean, if they have a life cycle that goes from snake size in your belly to, you know, these giant things, they could be anywhere in between in your game. It could be age, it could be, you know, the planet that they were spawned from, There's, they were scaled down because of it. You know, you've got license to say it's as big as a Mack truck as opposed to an ocean liner or, you know, even smaller. I mean, it would be interesting to, yeah. to kind of to deal with one that's just the size of a python, which is huge, you know, like 15, 20 feet. And smart. Right. And smart. That's the freaky thing. And the, the fact yeah, that it has it could be a, a, a lot more of a predatory kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it has a pow of of like an average of 170. I mean, good grief. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't. Well, have it doesn't. Spells. They don't have spells, but that seriously limits your ability to use any other, you know, ritual or, or magic means of getting rid of said dole because you know the pow is gonna. You're gonna have to roll against that some way or another, mm-hmm. which is just frightening there's one i know appears in arkham unveiled in a keith herber scenario so it is it has been used successfully it's just such a scale that it's hard to hard to find a plot that works i think yeah it's yeah dealing with something that's to that kind of a scale it's so hard to personalize how a character could deal with it. You know, that's why a lot of our ideas are coming down to, okay, well, make it a the equivalent of a typhoon or shrink it down so you can actually deal with it. Yeah, I mean, it's, like you said, I think the best description is it's an environmental effect. I mean, that is just mm-hmm. a gargantuan-sized... At that scale, it may not even notice, you know, no, things like people. I doubt it, you know. It, how would it yeah. know? 
that it's there, you know, it's very weird. Yeah, even with that, you know, fairly strong intelligence, it would still not notice or... It'd be just as indifferent as any other mm-hmm. ethos baddie is, you know what I mean? They're, they're notoriously don't care, and I think this is just another another example of that. Yeah. Plot-wise, their excrement is was used supposedly by the Egyptians to for everlasting life. Or it, its excrement is supposed to give you everlasting life, which is very similar to Dune, right? But, yeah. well, right? It's sort of. of- in a way, yeah. Way, I sure. kind of wonder if Frank Herbert was was uh, you know looking at that as uh, I don't know, I don't know what his source material. I think he. Meant. I think we had to admit that Herbert had to have read Lovecraft at some point. You know what I mean? And there's a good possibility. It's a good possibility, especially he since was a well-read kind of person. So and they're very very similar in style. So I would imagine that. That there is some sort of overlap here between the two, but he kind of did take it to a whole nother level with the writing. Mm-hmm. That's a whole nother yeah. thing, and it's a pretty obscure yeah. reference in Love in, in Dream Quest. Yeah, it you is. Know? So it'd have to be like <laughs> the number of people who would have read, gotten through Dream Quest. No offense. Yeah, but <sighs> at the same time, though, there's <laughs> not really there's not really any other references to giant burrowing Titanic sized worm things. That live under the ground. You know what I mean? I mean, that's kind of like the origin of it is is the Lovecraft reference. You know what yeah. I mean? Well, I mean, possibly uh, you would you would think because of the because of the excrement being important as a you know as a life extender that seems so similar. But um, it's hard to tell. You know, it's also possible that they were they were invented in parallel. I don't know. Dream Quest. Yeah. It just wasn't that po- popularly read when Herbert was writing. So uh, it's hard to say. Yeah, the well, Mongolian deathworm did come to uh, Western attention in 1926. Ah, right. Nice. That's a you know giant bright red worm creature that's two to five feet long and burrows and kills people and it's corrosive. Yeah, that's um, that's frightening. Yeah, and it has an electrical discharge that it can aim and yeah. And now kill. that's similar to like. Worm sign in Dune as well. So yeah, may- maybe he yeah, took that like, was a passive thing of just the static. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the Mongolian deathworm actually, I think, is probably a more likely. Yeah. I agree with source. You, you say yeah. that. inspiration. Yeah, I, I I would agree with that. Now, some of the popular media we've already mentioned several. Um, might as well mention them again just to have it official. Uh, there's always uh, tremors. Tremors is a fantastic mm-hmm. movie. I love those movies. There's also another. That's an interesting idea for uh, life cycle. Mm-hmm. Yep, I like. I like among the the four movies you get beginning to end. Yeah, I really like the the Tremors series in general. They were a lot of fun to watch. Uh, of course, there's yeah. Tremors, Tremors Two, Aftershocks, Tremors Three, Back to Perfection, and Tremors Four: The Legend Begins. And um, mm-hmm. so it's really a cool series. And of course, you get Kevin Bacon in the early ones. So. Yeah, in the first one. In the first one. One of my favorite ones, uh, is it already there? The Burrowers? The Western? Oh, yeah. Forgot about that. That is such a a good film. Yeah. That's a lot of fun. I forgot about that one entirely. In fact, I need to go watch that again because that was really fun. It's great, yeah. I don't think I've seen that. Oh, you should watch it immediately. It's very very moody. It's surprising. It's a Western. God, I think it might be North... Western, not Northwest, like kind of in your zone, if I'm not oh. mistaken. I, it might be Montana. I mean, it's not, it's not 
you know. Yeah, it's set somewhere else. I can't. Um, Dakota Territories, oddly there enough. There you go. I thought so. A handful of brave pioneers maintain isolated settlements in the badlands beyond civilization. Irish immigrant Fergus Coffee is near to winning the hand of his beloved Marianne when she is suddenly taken from her, from him. Her family brutally abducted and a nighttime attack on their homestead. Suspicion falls immediately on hostile Indians. Experienced Indian fighter Will Parcher and John Clay form a posse and set out to rescue the kidnapped settlers, taking along a naive teenager hoping to prove himself a man an ex-slave looking for his place and their ranch hand coffee. But as men vanish in the night and horrific evidence accumulates with the dead and the dying, the group discovers that their prey is far more terrifying than anything human and their prospects are far more terrible than death. So it's actually, hmm. it, like Chad said, it's actually a pretty good movie. Yeah. I, I, it was a sleeper for me. It was one that I yeah. picked up randomly thinking I just wanted a little horror, you know, just... You know, I assumed it was going to be bad, actually, but it is, it's really well done. Yeah, I watched it thinking, okay, this is going to be a crap, but it actually wasn't, wasn't that terrible, I don't know. I guess if you watched it thinking it would be good, you might be disappointed. <laughs> I mean, thinking that it was an awesome movie. Yeah, set you know your I'm, expectations or, right in the middle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, I think if you watched it thinking it wasn't a horror movie somehow, maybe if you thought somehow you were going to watch a Western, maybe that would, would be really... Problematic. <laughs> that would be issue a uh, serious issue to deal with uh, three quarters of the way through. Um, yeah, <laughs> but um, as it is, it's actually quite a good movie. Yeah. Not quite as cheesy as the Tremors movies, but no, it's not campy. No, actually, yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's, it's not, not a, the camp. okay. campy B movie. Yeah, yeah it's, it's 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 quite good. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, of course, I'll we've check got see if that's on Netflix. Um, the Burrows Beneath, uh, the novel from Lumley, which mentions. Um, which is about the Dole or the Chthonians in particular. And Chthonians are really different than Doles. They've got they are. I mean, yeah, they are. Physically, they might be similar, but they've got... Physically, they're got, similar. That's pretty much it. Right. They've got te- telepathy, so they can kind of um, mess with people. They've got much more, I feel like, of, a, of an intelligence that you can relate to. Um, yeah, they have a, a high intelligence to, in general. They have a long, long life cycle. Yeah, they do have, like, if I remember correctly, they have a very defined set of um, uh, stages that they go through. Um, like, there's a, the, like, the, they, I think they have a parasitic version of a, a Chthonian, and then a, a larval stage, and then a pupil stage, and then, you know, a intermediate. Yeah. And then, I mean, they have defined life cycles for, for Chthonians. So, I mean, it's not, exactly the same like bowls and doles are uh, mm-hmm. but they are uh, they are very similar in the fact that they're giant worms burning through the earth that are slimy right they have they're they're more vulnerable because they have, i mean not vulnerable to obvious things like tnt but the the ankh and the elder sign and radiation and submersion in water the tikkun elixir T-I-K-K-O-U-N, Tikkun, Tikkun, is, use them to fight it. Um, there is a chant, the Vach Viraj chant can be used against it. So there's a, it kind of has all of these loopholes <laughs> that would be easy to <laughs> throw into. Um, Which makes it more usable. Exactly, exactly. It's not that's just the, a big, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the catch there. It's, it, although these things do 
do exist there. They're just uh, it just makes it more easy to to pull into a game, especially since you have the different life cycles that give you different uh, different sizes, basically, and how big they actually get. Yeah. Oh, cool. The Burrowers is on Hulu, uh, Hulu Plus. Oh, cool. Cool. Okay. Yeah, you, it's on Netflix, but only as a physical DVD. Yeah, I've only got the streaming. Who does that anymore? Um, oh, one thing I was going to mention oh. is that the if you're going to go big, that it could be used um, as a sort of Cthulhu Apocalypse uh, seed. You know, the thing with by Graham Walmsley and yeah. and Gareth Ryder Hanrahan, where they have a bunch of scenarios, as in situations, where some something has gone wrong. The investigators have screwed up and and initiated the end of the world, and then you're in you're dealing with the after effects. Well, Cthonian, I mean, sorry, um, Doles. The apocalypse would be the Earth riddled with these holes. Yeah. Yeah. So you'd have, you know, it'd be like fracking times, you know. A big kajillion. Oh, yeah. And what does that mean? Do you have entire collapsed continents? Do you have, you know, um, you could really just go big and, and write, let your imagination run wild. And then the investigators would have to be living in this environment where, I mean, if gravity could be acting differently. I mean, if you take enough mass out of, uh, disproportionately out of the Earth, the, the gravitational pull would be different in different places. I mean, it, you, could, you could really have fun with the sci-fi implications there. Yeah, I agree. I think yeah. that uh, I was going to bring that up as well, is it would, it would invariably shift the actual gravitational pulls of the Earth if you had, you know, if it was riddled with holes of that, the mass of it changed so it wouldn't you know, it, it would be weird is what it would be. <laughs> it's just downright wrong. I think if I'm not mistaken, like you could, <laughs> this is just totally maybe bad physics, but I think if you took a disproportionate amount, say like under Asia, the earth would begin to wobble, right? It would find a different center of gravity and it would not be at the center of the sphere. So it seems like it wouldn't take much wobble to cause a complete blackout apocalypse in which life could not yeah. exist, you know. Or at least to change the environment to such a point that it would make it virtually an alien planet. Mm-hmm. It would change day but, and night you know, cycles. Close enough that, yeah, you clo- keep it close enough that you could actually still have, you know, game setting there. Yeah, exactly. You'd have to be subtle enough. But you could totally do a full-on, like, Thundar the Barbarian, everything has gone completely upside down. Yeah, that brings back the, uh, uh, I think I mentioned it last time, the Barbarians of Lemuria type um, Barbarians yeah. of the Aftermath RPG, where you fight in during or after the apocalypse, basically, whatever whatever apocalypse it might have been. And can you name again, Chad, the uh, the uh, the product you mentioned just a minute ago, the apocalypse? The apocalypse, Slaves of the Mother, Thank from uh, Pelgrain. Uh, I will throw it in the show notes. Hang on. Yeah, I throw it in the show notes. I was trying to think of that last show and couldn't think of it to save my life. Oh, the thing with the engine that creates an apocalypse, or the yeah, yeah, you were talking about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and I just couldn't, I couldn't recall the name or anything about that product. So I'm, I'm glad you, uh, you said it. Yeah, I want to play it, man. I mean, yeah, I do. I want to play. So we're gonna have to. At some point, guys, we're gonna have to. (laughs) <laughs> figure out how to play trail yeah. 
because there's just too much damn good material for it. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. I did buy a trail of Cthulhu book. Hey, all right. I got the um, Mythos Expeditions. Oh, dude, please run me through one of those. I love expeditions. <laughs> yeah, me too. That's, That's why I got that. Sorry, I, did I just nerd? Did I just have a nerdgasm? Yeah, you just nerdgasmed right there. It's all good. <laughs> I've uh, currently got the PDF, the paper versions on its way in the in the shipping, but I really I'm enjoying it a lot. It seems to have a rule set out for like abstracting out the um the survival mechanics and all that and supplies, awesome. all that kind of stuff. I love it, man. That's my favorite. And I actually I in Intended to uh, the reason I got that is I intend to use that stuff for when we pick up the maps game. Oh, cool. Okay. Uh, and the expedition uh, to the Dead Sea. Gary. Okay. <laughs> the 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 maps game that never will is that the one we're talking about? The, the one that I keep poking at, at the group and trying to coordinate. I think. I think it may be time now that the holidays are actually yeah. really now that over. the holidays are done. I'm hopeful <laughs> yes. that we can actually get it picked back up and and get chapter two out on uh, on the feed. I keep meaning to do that until I'm actually at the computer and then ever think of it. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I mean, not to shift away from that at all, but uh, like getting into trail, I feel like we got to make a plan and and delve in because it's like. We, I think we just have to try and fall on our face somehow. And, if, you know, it means mm-hmm. one of us has to pick it up and run it, which, um, you know, is the intimidating part. I would need to get a hard copy of it to really learn it. Oh, I thought properly. you had a hard copy. You mean uh, no. PDF, oh, the core I, book, he, he means. So. Yeah, the core book. Okay. Yeah, I have the expeditions on the way, but I, I don't uh, have the core book in hard copy. Gotcha. Where were we? Sidetrack on trail there. Um, we were talking about. Uh... We want to hear from our listeners. We have lots of different ways you guys can reach out to us. Our main contact email address is feedback at mu-podcast.com. We also have a Twitter account at mu underscore podcast. And you can join our REC channel on the feedback page of the website. We have a Providence, Rhode Island voice mail number. That's 401-400-MUP. That's 401-400-0687. Or you can use our SpeakPipe link located on the website. Ask a question. Leave us a liner. Say who you are. And I'm enrolled in the Miskatonic University podcast. And we'd love to get a hearty go pods for our home team, the Fighting Cephalopods. Our website is mu-podcast.com. And you can find our show notes for this episode at mu-podcast.com slash 71. That's the number 71. Our forums are at mu-podcast.com slash campus. Come join the community and be a part of the conversations. Thanks for joining us for another episode. Class is dismissed. The Call of Cthulhu role-playing game is property of Chaosium, Inc. The written works of H.P. Lovecraft are held in the United States public domain. All other works mentioned in this podcast are the property of their respective owners. Original content of this show is copyright of the Miskatonic University podcast under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Share-Alike License.
and warm keeper mar. In this episode, we prep our pumpers and make a hook for the beef beer. And I'm, I'm Keeper Murph, and today we're going to just see what happens. But first, let's dive into the... F- <laughs> today, we do not have Keeper John. Keeper John has gone missing. <laughs> it's like... Yeah. That's true. <laughs> So we're recording this episode without a guest and without a co-host and therefore without a topic. Yep. Chad. Hi. How's it going? Uh, Glad to be back. What's happening? Yeah. You've been missing for 18 months now uh, in the long, dark wild of Siberia. Mm Mm-hmm. I brought back some snow and good Mm. cheer for you all. How is the taiga this time of year? Uh, (laughs) um, I got nothing. I don't know. The answer is cold, Chad. That's what the answer is. Oh, you mean New York? <laughs> right, I got it. Okay. Oh, sure. Sorry. Uh, yeah, it's cold, but I can't complain with a North Dakota guy on the phone. So actually, it's south, yeah. but that's okay. South, sorry. Oh, Jesus! You don't even know <laughs> state. Man, that's so sad. He lives in the only city in South Dakota. It's not that hard to remember. <laughs> no, there's two. What is what is that city name, by the way? Sioux Falls. Just joking. And then Rapid City's on the other end of the state. Those are the two fairly big... <laughs> fairly, as in a small Moder- town in other yeah, state. Yeah, moderately uh, populated. It's hard to get a lot of people to live in the tundra, so I mean, I can understand that. Yeah. So do you want to do this again in the real way? Uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. let's do that. Mm-hmm. Um, She's from Buck Rogers. Oh, God, don't shame me publicly now. <laughs> well, it's too late. <laughs> We're recording this, and it will be in uh, the end show. Oh, God. Yeah. Colonel I just Roma said the wrong science fiction. <laughs> yeah, I I have fond memories of of her as a young man. Yes, Dude. yes, me no, too. <laughs> they, that uh, oh, the flight suit was awesome. Yeah, sexy sci-fi. The flight, the flight suit was awesome. <laughs> yeah, Sorry. the flight suit was awesome. That blue sheen it had to it, wasn't it? Or was that just yeah. in general? Yeah, there was a a blue one a blue and, and I think one. a white one. I thought there was a purple one too at one point, but maybe possibly. It's been forever sure. since I've seen that. The white one was cool though because she had the little belt and the stupid helmet and stuff. Oh, purple flight suit! I'm just gonna we're gonna put that image in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> you guys do with you know we're just gonna put it in there. We can't be responsible for uh... <laughs> for what happens afterwards. <laughs> uh, or main contact email that drives a feedback at podcast. Thank you, Admiral Akbar. <laughs> it's a trap. <laughs> it's a trap. <laughs> Hang on. Uh, ooh, shut that fucking radiator up for a second. Um, you want me to? Pu- I can <laughs> do that, but it's harder. I can pause. I'm taking. Uh, no, should I mute? No, 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 no. no, no, no. no. No, 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 no. Cephalopods fighting the team home are for Go Pod, Party, <laughs> Get in Love, Weed, and Podcast University Miskatonic at the Enrolled I'm. And are you who say, liner, uh, us, leave question, uh, ask, site web on the located link speak pipe, our use, can you? 
seven eight six zero M. It's really good, though. Yeah. Seven eight six zero P U M O zero zero four one zero four number voicemail I R Providence a we have nope oh I have we close enough anyway we have a Providence Rhode Island voice number four zero one four hundred zero M U P that's four hundred zero M nope. <laughs> I know you can't do it right. You got yourself uh, all screwed up now. now you're all, now you're re- I'm reading everything backwards, guys. I gotta go. <laughs> Let me just ad lib this. Turn my glasses around and one seven number is- see that's one seven slash com dot podcast dash um <laughs> podcast this for notes. Show our fine Ken and you, you and sorry, com.podcast mu. Damn, I can't do it. F- it. Come join the community and be a part of the conversations. No, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. Oh, Christ, I'm a crack. Thanks for joining us for another episode. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Class is dismissed. Thanks for joining us for another episode. We have to enter hyperspace now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that was a fluster cluck.